Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today, we are going to have a cool episode with Ryan Olson of Whitebone Creations. Uh, Ryan's got a great YouTube channel, Whitebone Creations Hunting uh, on YouTube. Make sure to check it out. Uh, guys, I want to thank you for all the emails, uh, questions, and comments I get at my email, jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. And thank you for all the support that you give me. I want to ask you guys, if you listen on iTunes, please make sure to give us a, a good rating and leave some positive comments as that helps our placement there with iTunes. Uh, things are clicking away just uh, great here at the J. Scott Outdoors podcast, and I appreciate that, uh, all your support. And uh, we're right in the middle of turkey season. Uh, we've got the Arizona Governor's uh, Gould's turkey tag last week. Had a great hunt on that. Uh, Dar and his boys and me and my nephews uh, are headed to uh, New Mexico tomorrow to uh, shoot some turkeys out there in, in New Mexico. And then when I get back from that, I'm looking forward to the uh, GouldsTurkeyHunt.com, all of my Goulds turkey hunts down in Sonora, Mexico. And I'm already booking for the 2017 season. So if that's something that you want to do, make sure to send me an email and I can give you the scoop or give me a call and we can discuss uh, how to get you down there in uh, Sonora, Mexico. I want to point out uh, GoHunt.com Insider, uh, the giveaway for... Uh, this month is five Browning X-Bolt speed rifles. So that's the uh, April Insider giveaway at GoHunt.com. All you have to do is be a GoHunt Insider member, and everybody has a chance to win every single month. And you can choose your caliber choice of 243, 7mm 08, 308 win, 270 win, 30-odd 6 Springfield, 7mm uh, Remington Mag 300 uh, Winchester Short Mag, Win Mag 270 uh, Winchester Short Mag, 6.5 Creedmoor, or a 26 Nosler. Uh, so that's a great giveaway at GoHunt.com. Uh, also want to point out that the uh, application strategies for Montana sheep, moose, and goat, and bison uh, have been uploaded to the website. Uh, also, the application strategy for Idaho sheep, uh, moose, and goat has been updated to the website. Uh, obviously, the Nevada deer and uh, elk and antelope uh, sheep, uh, that deadline has passed for Nevada. And uh, we're currently waiting for the New Mexico draw odds to be coming back any day. Uh, Arizona has released their elk and antelope, and everybody's excited about that. Uh, if you drew a hunt, uh, send me a message. Let me know what you got, and uh, I'll cheer you on and, and wish you the best. And I just want to thank uh, all of our sponsors uh, for their support. GoHunt.com, Insider, uh, Wilderness Athlete, Outdoorsman's, Western Hunter and Elk Hunter Magazine, uh, phone scope and Utah hydrographics. Uh, I just want to thank those guys for their support and make sure you use the promo code J Scott when ordering from these companies and take care of uh, get your discount uh, from those companies. Uh, guys, uh, thanks not only for your support, but please support those sponsors that uh, support this podcast and make it possible. Guys, make sure to follow along our adventures on our YouTube channel, J. Scott Outdoors, on our website, J. Scott Outdoors, Instagram, at J. Scott Outdoors, my associate, Dar Colburn, that's D-A-R-R -R Colburn, on Instagram, and of course, our Facebook page. And uh, let's get right to this episode with Ryan Olson. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we have Ryan Olson from Huntington Beach, California. And uh, Ryan owns and operates Whitebone Creations, which is an outstanding YouTube channel. And I've been enjoying uh, watching his videos now since we've made an acquaintance for a couple months. And I got to meet Ryan up at the Western Hunting and Conservation Expo in Utah 
and I'm excited to have Ryan on to talk about hunting and fishing in California and a bunch of other things. Ryan, how are you doing? Man, I'm doing good, and I'm I'm feeling a little overwhelmed by being on the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. It's pretty exciting for me. Well, good. I'm I'm uh, don't know why you'd be overwhelmed, but I really appreciate your support, and uh, I really enjoy your YouTube channel and all the videos. Um, why don't you tell me a little bit of a, uh, you know, intro and bio on yourself? Uh, I know you have a have a real job, and then you've got your hands in a lot of other uh, businesses and such. So tell me a little bit about yourself, Ryan. Okay, I'm uh, I'm 41 years old, born and raised in Southern California. I've been in Huntington Beach since um, all for about 18 years. Married and moved down here. Two kids, um, 16-year-old boy, 12-year-old girl, both sportsmen, I'm proud to say. And, uh, you know, I grew up right here, which isn't really known for hunting. It's uh, very much a fishing spot, but uh, my dad hunted. We hunted doves as kids, and I was, uh, I'm the middle of three boys, and I was the kid that just had the bug from the word go. So I have literally spent my entire life looking and chasing critters and finding places to hunt. When I graduated high school, I moved to Oregon for three months with my brother, worked for a small company and hunted and fished up there. And then directly from there, I moved to Wyoming and I lived there for three years. And that's where I would say I really kind of grew up as an adult and a sportsman. I got to work for an outfitter for a couple of years. I was drilling uranium, you know, pulling levers and that type stuff. But I literally hunted uh, at least four days a week, just a young kid in his early age with a gun and endless amounts of property. And so no prairie dog or coyote or fox was safe. And if I drew a tag, um, it was on. So it was what area of Wyoming was that? I grew up in well, I went to Glen Rock, which is between Casper and Douglas, real central in the state there. And then we worked toward the Pumpkin Buttes, um, out toward Gillette, uh, Buffalo, Sheridan, that country. <clears throat> and we lived in a what they call a man camp, you know, for drilling rigs and stuff. So we were in the middle of this great big ranch and had permission to hunt predators and everything. So we'd work a you know, 14, 15, 16 hour day. And back there you could spotlight, you could, you know, all that was perfectly fine. So I'd spend most of my waking hours chasing critters out there playing catch up for living in California. So Wyoming is a very, very special place to me. I return every year and um, I love it. I just love it. So that's kind of my hunting background. I guess I moved back here. Oh, I well, whatever the time frame was, but I've been back here for about 19 years, I think, and um, just tried to find similar hunting here. And I've literally worked forever trying to get there. And now I got some good things going on here in California. And I just, I can't get enough of it. I'm the kid that's got the bug for fishing and hunting, for sure. That's awesome. That uh, sounds like a you and I have a lot of similarities between love and hunting and fishing. And I know we've got a lot of listeners that have that crossover between, you know, hunting and fishing and liking both of them. And, sure. you know, there's times when I say that, you know, uh, fishing season is just the thing to do, you know, when, when it's not hunting season. And, um, you know, there's times when I say hunting season is just a thing to do when it's not fishing season. So Amen. my wife always argues whatever season it is, that's when, I, you know, that's I'm fired up and ready to go with whatever uh, whatever we're hunting or fishing at the time. Um, I know being in Huntington Beach, um, you you have uh, ties to the Tahone Ranch uh, not far from uh, L.A., just north of L.A. there. Uh, tell me a little bit about your ties there with the Tahone Ranch. So, um, that, you know, that ranch is just a special place in general. You know, logistically, where it is located to Los Angeles, um, it's just an hour out of L.A. It's 270,000 private acres, 440 square miles. It's the single largest piece of property in California and it is the largest private hunting ranch in California as well. Um, 
<clears throat> and I was, there's a couple of ways to hunt the Tejon. You can hunt guided hunts, um, deer, elk, pigs, turkeys, that type stuff. Um, or you can be a member and they have packages for the spring, packages for the fall. And I have a very close personal friend who's affiliated with the ranch from a very young age. He came to Wyoming with me. I went to the ranch with him, kids the same age, and we just became buddies. And um, so I hunted up there with him quite a bit, learning the ranch and joined those spring access members. And in the spring, you know, we're chasing <laughs> primarily pigs. You get a limited number of pigs that you're able to take. Um and then a lot of predator stuff. So it was special for me because I could take off and be there in an hour and a half, do a bunch of hunting, home same day. Whether I was pulling the trigger or not, I was out. And, you know, anybody that hunts knows that that's as much as anything. And so um, that was kind of my affiliation. And then as things grew, I would help wherever I could, whether it was an odd job in plumbing or helping build barnwood art and decor to put in one of the um, hunt houses or mount up a set of old horns or, or whatever. Um, and uh, I became uh, an employee so they could take care of me. So I'm, I'm a, I'm a part-time employee. I'll help do the fill in stuff as a guide or wherever needed. We just finished up a big show right here in, uh, uh, in Long Beach called the Fred Hall show. It's been around forever. And so because I'm local, I can help sit at the booth and, and talk from personal experience about the ranch. And it's just a special place. Um, it, most people that have been there uh, just would never believe that this existed, you know, an hour out of L.A. <clears throat> some of the some of the biggest elk. And I know this is touching sensitive. Uh, <laughs> some biggest elk in the U.S. are coming off there right now. Um completely wild no high fence we just got an incredible herd that can come and go and do come and go as they please and um you know i <clears throat> you'll probably have uh, some conversation with mike but you know we killed three bulls this year over 400 inches um i know you saw jason's bull and uh, a couple of others and it's just a phenomenal place and i think maybe the biggest difference is um you know we have all the food all the water good genetics and we just don't have a winner you know we just don't get those harsh conditions that stress those animals and so we just get tremendous horn growth and oh just a, just a beautiful place yeah I, you know i've as a kid i was actually born in visalia california and my uh, family has ranching ties in uh uh, the, the central valley there, you know, around Visalia and Woodlake and what have you. And, um, you know, I, as a kid, uh, driving back and forth between Arizona and, and our kind of our home roots there, uh, driven obviously up the grapevine there, up, up the five and, um, you know, see that incredible property. And, um, actually my grandfather used to, uh, uh, sell cattle to, one of the leases of the property. And um, so it, it is an incredible place. Uh, let's take a quick break here and hear, to hear from our sponsors. And I want to ask you some more questions about the Tejon. Tired of relying on out-of-date numbers, spending too much on hunting consultants and seeing too little results? With Go Hunt Insider, the old way of doing things is over. With the introduction of Draw Odds and Filtering 2.0, you'll have access to the most accurate, up-to-date information in the industry. You can filter by state, species, trophy potential, weapon, specific days or months of the year, harvest success rate, male-to-female ratios, and much more. All of this leads to easily finding the best hunt for you. So what are you waiting for? Visit GoHunt.com slash insider and join the movement. Use the J. Scott promo code when signing up and receive a $50 Kuyu gift card. Since 1982, the Outdoorsman's in Phoenix has made it their goal to provide the very best customer service combined with the latest and greatest optics and accessories in the business. Outdoorsman's is the leading designer and manufacturer of high-quality tripods and mounting accessories for any hunter's optical needs. Go to Outdoorsman's.com or call 1-800-291-8065 and use the J. Scott promo code to receive 10% off all Outdoorsman's packs and pack accessories. 
Yeah, Ryan, the Tejon Ranch is just an unbelievable place and some of the bulls that uh, have been coming off of there. And, and quite honestly, for years, they've been producing trophy quality bulls. Um, but I think you're right. I mean, I think with the lack of the harsh winter that, you know, the elk face in, you know, Colorado and Montana and Utah and, you know, some of the other states, um, even Arizona in places, um, you know, it's... Uh, you know, a perfect place for uh, elk to just thrive. And, uh, you know, if they don't have that stress on their body, their antlers are going to grow, you know, enormous. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've never been on the Tejon for elk, but how's the bugling uh, there? Is it insane? You know what? And I'm probably not the best person to address it. It is when it's, I think it's probably like anywhere when it's going, it is noisy and loud. Um, I've got to experience it just a handful of times, but most of the time those are going on. You got your full time guides on it and it's kind of all hands on deck. But yeah, it gets pretty loud and rowdy. Um, it's a pretty special thing. And we've got, you know, our, our country out there is, um, you know, a lot of oaks and canyons and bottoms. And so when they get in those bottoms and roar, man, every hair on your body's on end, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty special for sure. That's cool. That's really cool. Um, back to white bone creations. Um, you know, you have a mix of YouTube video, you, you know, on YouTube, you have a mix of videos from hunts that you've done to kind of some instructional on, you know, how to boil skulls and mm -hmm. how much how much of what you do or how important do you see education as part of your channel? I think it's um, I think it's key for channel success, um, you know, and, and I'll give you just a quick backstory. And I probably meant to do that in the beginning. So Whitebone Creations, the actual name Whitebone came from me trying to accomplish that white bone look um essentially skull work skull works uh, doing european uh, skulls everything from you know from coyotes to elk to bison to tons and tons of pigs and uh i'm self-taught i'm a do-it-yourselfer so i got to where i was doing friends and family stuff for free and um i have a buddy say hey would you do my friends blah 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 and i was learning and growing and now it's become a pretty good deal for me, and that's where the term white bone came from. And there's so many resources out there for people now. There's so many do-it-yourselfers. Um, it's not like I've got some secret proprietary deal that I do. So I thought, I'll just do a little do-it-yourself skull video and just see what happens, put it up on the channel. And, man, the amount of attention it got is fantastic. Lots of questions. If I do this, can I do that? And, you know, that part, that banter, that kind of back and forth for me is really enjoyable. You know, you're kind of staying in contact with people you don't know. <clears throat> you're helping them. Um, I also get a lot of advice back from people saying, hey, you might consider doing this or doing that. And that part for me is enjoyable because I'm learning, too, from their experiences. So the white bone name came from me trying to accomplish that white skull look um and then i've just kept it for everything because it was the email the business license and everything and it's just literally you know the youtube thing has grown from us you know the video stuff i've been filming for 20 years and in the last four or five years things have gotten better with the equipment done a little better job on the editing but we were originally just trying to kind of capture that memory um, be able to send it to a friend or a family member saying, Hey, look at so-and-so took a real nice pig. We got some film. And, um, I would say if my passion was anywhere, it'd be in that, that storytelling side of the hunt, trying to put out a positive, a positive message and a positive outlook to whoever's looking that hunting is still very genuine. Um, it's not a brutal blood sport that only has one agenda you know, mental, spiritual, and physical growth, getting people involved, um, disconnecting from life in some sense. Um, and so I, I hopefully I'm trying to put out that message to people when they see that stuff. They're realizing that it's just, it's not what maybe some of the media says hunting is. 
Yeah, for sure. And I think uh, watching your videos, I think it comes through real clear. And, um, you know, on, on my own YouTube channel, uh, I, I, I do similar things in that, you know, I try and video the hunts and try and tell a story. Um, don't have near the editing capabilities and capacity that you have and not near as talented in that, that regard. Um, but, you know, I, I, I've posted a lot of, you know, caping videos and, you know, um, uh, you know, how to, how to, you know, do the gutless method and, uh, you know, skin and elk. And, um, you know, it's amazing on videos that I think, ah, people won't really like this. Some of those videos are some of the, you know, highest rated and, um, you know, have the most views over even say some of my hunting videos. So I, I think that was an eye opener for me to see, uh, what people really enjoy. And, and, um, so yeah, I would just encourage the listeners to go check out, uh, Ryan's, uh, YouTube channel at Whitebone Creations. And, um, I'm, I'm glad you love to do it and would, you know, encourage you to keep doing it for sure. Um, what other type of hunting, uh, does California offer? I mean, I know that I have a lot of listeners in California and, you know, people don't really think of California as being a big hunting state uh, because of some of the liberal agenda and what have you, you know, the politics that goes on in your state. But the reality is there's, uh, you know, a huge population in California, but there's also a huge hunting population there. Oh, absolutely. You know, we've got some fantastic public land with the Sierras being right here in our backyard and things like that. But We've got it all, uh, deer, bear, uh, antelope, elk. We've got bighorn sheep. Of course, the pigs were a great waterfowl area. I don't hunt much waterfowl because I'm not a fan of eating it. <clears throat> That's just me being straight. Um, great upland game bird hunting, small game, uh, predator hunting, fur bears. So we've got it all. You know, we're a, a typical western state in the fact that we've got all those, those animals. Um, you know, application times and dates, you would need to be applying April 15th through June 2nd to get in those draws. Um, so for the fall season draws, you have to apply in the spring? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yep. And it's, um, you know, there's a handful of things like any hunting anywhere. You want to do just a little bit of research. Um, and I don't know that I can address it exactly, but, you know, with the Tahone, we were the first ones to go with like non-toxic ammunition due to being in the condor range. So I would just double check the game and fish website and make sure if you do apply, you have everything in order. Cause it sounds like we may potentially be going statewide on the non-toxic thing. So I'd hate for somebody to show up with a bunch of lead bullets in an area where, you know, their hunt would be ruined because of a, something as simple as that. That's <clears throat> uh just, just double check your regs, but um, there's a lot of opportunity down here, a lot more than people will let on, um, you know, like hunting anywhere. People try and keep it a secret, but, um, we've got a lot of public land and we do have a lot of game. We've been very affected by the drought over the last couple of years. Um, but they're here, you know, we've still got the game here. Speaking of your drought, uh, a lot of people don't even realize how bad of a drought California has been in. Uh, did you get any reprieve this winter uh, to to mitigate that drought, or is it still as bad as ever? Some we got some rain. It's uh, we're raining now for the first time. We're actually having a good rain right this minute, um, but we've got a little bit of water. But it's not it's not even enough to get us to get us right. Um, yeah, you know, and we really need that rain to fall kind of central in the state in order to capture it. If it falls down here in Southern California, we just put it in the ocean. So we need it to fall in that, you know, that central valley. We need it to get in the ground. And like everything else, we need snow cap. I know that our Sierras are like, uh, if I heard it correctly, we're at 90% of annual snowfall. So we're, that's a good news. You know, we've got some snow up there. Um, but we're praying for rain. We're hearing that March is supposed to be extremely wet. Um, so... I bring it on, bring it on. Yeah, I mean, I've heard the same thing. A lot of the old farmers' almanacs and uh, the weather stations and such that I pay attention to say, you know, obviously February 
where Arizona was really dry, but that March all across the West, they're expecting higher than normal moisture. But here we are, you know, uh, you know, this, the 8th of March and, you know, you're getting your storm now. It's supposed to hit Arizona here in the next couple of days. But, uh, yeah, I, I would be, uh, let's open the floodgates and right. hopefully we get a ton of moisture. But that is great news about the snowpack. Um, I, I know that the, you know, the last couple of years, uh, you know, the, it's just virtually been no snow. So, um, maybe we're at the start of a new cycle and, and maybe it'll turn around. Um, I know, Ryan, you do a ton of uh, fishing as well as ever bit as much of a hunter as you are. Uh, tell me a little bit about living in Huntington Beach and the offshore fishing. Uh, do you have your own boat and, you know, what what type of fishing do you like to do offshore? You know what? I'm born and raised a West Coast bass fisherman. I tell it to everybody. That's just kind of my thing. You know, if you were born in the West, uh, not West, uh, on California's West Coast, um, we're just known for gigantic largemouth. We always have been. We've got deep water lakes. We've got, uh, it's just awesome. So um, it's harder and harder and harder to get around and fish in these local lakes due to the zebra mussel inspections and all that stuff. So Two years ago, I bought a, a new Ranger Bahia. It's like a big Magnum bass boat, a little 22-foot center console job. Because I'm here in Huntington and it's so hard to fish everywhere else, I kind of, I'm on my second tour in the salt water, if you will. As a kid, I fished salt water a bunch. And then I just got away from it fishing all these local lakes. And now, it's again, it's so difficult. I, I bought a saltwater boat to get back out here. And so... I'm still a bass fisherman. My absolute favorite is to fish the Long Beach break wall uh, for calicos, our local rigs. We catch calico bass, sand bass, spotted bay bass, and um, it's as much a kind of a trend. I don't want to use the word cult. It's kind of a bad word, but there's definitely a core group that live and breathe calico bass fishing, kind of like that coos deer group. Man, when you... When you're on it, you are all in, and that's me. So we fish them all year. We catch a little bit bigger fish in the fall, or I guess the winter in the spring. But um, we had that show, I believe it was Wednesday through Sunday. I took a couple of guides from the ranch out on Friday before the show. We just jumped in the water early, and we had 70 fish in the boat by about 10 o'clock. We were back out at the show and, you know, just giggling like schoolgirls out there catching calicos. It was just, it's just too fun. Too Tell fun. me about your rigs that you use to catch those. So I'm a, I'm a real light line kind of guy. Um, you know, typically people will fish that on some pretty heavy gear. So we're on what I call Magnum bass gear. Uh, they'll fish them on 300 and 400 size bait casters. And we typically, fishing in and around the rocks, we'll see guys throw braided line. So we're throwing like anywhere between 55 and 80-pound braid tied to a fluorocarbon leader. And then we throw a lot of swim baits, um, essentially a jig head with a swim bait back in. Because the way this fishery works, <clears throat> and I'll speak directly to the break wall, is you have a wall that separates the ocean from the inside of the bay essentially, you know, knocking those waves down. Well, as those waves come in and hit those rocks, it breaks free crabs and sea urchins and octopuses, starfish, everything that's on those rocks get broke free in that surf, and those calicos come up or sand bass or what have you, and they eat everything that gets knocked off that rock. So the way you fish it is you kind of throw up into the swell, let it wash into the rocks, and then keep a tight line. And you could take a three-pound calico, and have him just smoke you on 80-pound braid. It's just unbelievable the amount of power in those fish, um, and it's kind of where you're at. I guess it'd be like having a really nice trout in a super heavy current. You know what I mean? There's just It seems like it's five times the fish when he gets in that particular situation. So um, that's what we do. I like to fish a lot of the inshore stuff on spin tackle. So if I have clear water, <clears throat> meaning no obstruction, pilings and rocks and stuff, I try and go, you know, six pound line, spin tackle, 
you know, quarter ounce or smaller little jig heads, maybe like a crappie or panfish setup. And then I like to fish those spotted bay bass and calicos that way. And it's just, oh man, it's the fight to beat all fights. It's just too fun. That sounds awesome. I was on your Instagram page. You have a couple photos. Um, how do those fish eat? Or do you throw them back or what's the deal? They're, we throw most of them back. Um, the, the, the kind of the saying in the calico world is they're, they're slow to grow, so we let them go. Um, but I love to eat fish, so we do keep them. And they're all really good. With the sand bass, we get a bunch more sand bass than we get calicos. So we will typically keep a limit of legal fish. Um, it's a flaky white fish, and you can do anything with it. Fish talk, what's it, you can fry. What's it take for it to be legal? 14-inch fish. It's a 14-inch fish. Yeah. So you do a lot of fish tacos and stuff with it? Yeah, we do. Um, and I don't care how you do a fish taco, I'll eat it. I don't care if it's grilled or fried. or I just love it. Um, we had I, I want to say we had 20-some fish that we measured the other day with the boys from the ranch that were 13 and a half. You know, so... Uh, there's a reason 14 is the number you can keep. Uh, we did wind up keeping six fish. Uh, they took fish home to feed their family. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's all part of it. I think that's a good thing. You know, we've definitely got a lot of fish, those big ones, those five, six, seven pounders, we always put them back, but yeah. Now are there, um, when there's big surf, so what I hear you saying is those wave crash on those rocks and knock that stuff off and, you know, they're there eating, um, when it's calm seas, is the fishing not as good? Or I would assume if, if it's rough seas, potentially it's knocking all, you know, consistently knocking stuff off the rocks. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, so there's, um, you know, there's there's just so many resources out there for sportsmen now to to look at stuff. Um, <clears throat> and the, the only downfall to it is sometimes you don't have to comprehend it to look online and find out when the fishing's going to be good or bad. But when the, the, it can be too big out there. When that surf comes through, it's hitting the wall and going over the wall. That becomes too big of a surf on the outside. Hang on a second, Ryan. Hang on just a second. Uh, I'm getting digital feedback or something. Um, how's your connection? Can you tell? It looks like it's. Uh, it says I'm. It says I'm full bars. Okay, it just it went real digitized. So start back into my question about the um, uh, the big sur or the big waves, if or the you know big swells. Does that make the fishing better or worse? Okay. Yeah. So to your question about if the surf is too large, uh, a lot of times we'll move to the inside of the wall because it'll actually it'll hit the wall too hard, and those fish can't. And they can't operate in it. So we go on the other side of the wall, and that those waves will actually blow that bait and pieces and parts through the wall, and we'll fish that calmer, broken side of the wall. But we use um, we I use uh, an online service called Tides for Fishing, and it's Tides the number four fishing, and I utilize Long Beach, and it'll actually give you. I always have trouble saying the word the Soluna. So it's that solar and lunar. Sol yeah, solar tables. Yes, all the all the tables, and it'll also give you the tides, um, and it's it's crazy accurate. For me, I find it's literally within the hour of when the fishing's supposed to peak and not peak. So um, that fishery is really dictated by the tides. So we kind of fish according. You can always catch fish on gray light, and you can always catch fish at night. That's my absolute favorite time to fish it. Matter of fact, my brother is flying in from town, from Oregon, just to fish on Wednesday because it's it's the right time. Um, and an average night on the wall um, is 100 plus fish. And we'll put in the water maybe 6.30, 7 o'clock at night, fish till right about midnight. So we get a good four, four and a half hours of fishing. And you are worn out by the time it, <laughs> it is so fun that does sound fun so are you lipping those fish i mean they've got some gnarly teeth don't they or how how do you get them off your hook they do you know you're, you're tougher about the first 20 fish and then you pay for it for the next couple of days i actually have found um a, it's it's called a it's called band-aid tape 
You can buy it at like your local pharmacy and it's a roll of the same exact adhesive tape that you'd find on a Band-Aid. It comes in a roll. And so we literally just Band-Aid tape our thumbs. So when a fish comes in, we can get in there and it's just enough cushion to where those calico have, they have more teeth than say a large mouth does. They're sharper and a little more aggressive. Um, So we use that Band-Aid tape, put it in there and then we don't, we don't really get tore up, but yeah, we're lipping them. If it's a big fish, you know, if it's a fish that's going to break that five pound range, which we would consider a big calico, uh, we'll net them. We'll net them. And, uh, I got to do a better job of putting up fishing videos. I'm just a tight man. The second we start fishing, I don't want to, <laughs> I, I don't want to be around the camera. I don't want to hold it. I want to be feeling the wiggle. You just got to get a GoPro camera and a pole or something so it will capture everything. Then you could go back and edit it. That'd be kind of cool. That's true. Yeah, I've done it. A, I've done it a bit um, for sure with the GoPro. And, you know, the more I do it, the more I'm kind of a stickler for, oh, I wish I had this shot or that shot. And um, this year we had just an incredible fishery with the yellowtail because El Nino, the water was so warm. So we got out and did um, we did a bunch of yellowtail fishing. And man, that's, we're using the same gear that we're catching these five pound calicos on catching 30 pound yellows with. And, oh man, you talk about a ride. It is awesome. I heard the yellows were way north this year compared to where they usually are. We had them. I was catching yellowtail, um, four miles off the beach. So you could see the beach clearly, um, and we could we could jump in first thing in the morning, run out there, catch five, six, seven yellows between I don't know between eighteen and thirty pounds. Race back in, shower up, be at work at ten o'clock, do your thing, put the boat back in the water that night, catch a limited calico. I mean, that's kind of the perfect day uh, for me. That is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. What is the difference between a calico bass and a sand bass as far uh, as Visual appearance. Uh, Sandy, uh, a barred sand bass, is kind of a little bit longer and narrower. Um, The colors itself are a little more muted, uh, and they're a little bit more tans, and they have a bar on them. As to where calico is shorter and stouter, uh, it's got a broader tail, um, and they have that real distinct calico color. And our calicos vary from where they've got lots of yellow in them to where you get pinks and purples and every fish is kind of unique. Um, but they're just, they're just double tough and the Sandies will get bigger traditionally, bigger, faster. Right on. Let's take a quick break here. Utah Hydrographics is in the water transfer printing service and they are open to whatever you can dream up. Choose from a wide range of camel patterns, designs, and colors. Whether it's guns, bows, tools, rifle stocks, vehicles, steering wheels, fenders, dashboards, paint guns, fishing rods, cups, tripods, watches, knife grips, helmets for a local sports team or for your motorcycle, picture frames, mailbox, animal skulls, you name it, they can probably do it. Utah Hydrographics loves taking things that are general looking and turns them into something that looks fantastic and eye-popping. Give them a call and see what they can do for you and receive up to a 10% discount by using the J. Scott 16 promo code. Visit them at utahhydrographics.com or on Instagram at Utah Hydrographics. Whether you are interested in elk, deer, antelope, bighorn sheep, or moose, Western Hunter and Elk Hunter magazines will bring the adventure to your mailbox. These publications feature articles on the finest hunting gear, tips and tactics from experienced hunters, field judging trophies, glassing techniques, calling strategies, and much more. To become a more knowledgeable and skilled hunter, subscribe today. Go to westernhunter.net forward slash jscott and enter your email address for a chance to win a $1,500 credit towards any Swarovski product. What about the albacore, um, Ryan? Do the Is the albacore season coming up here or what's the story with that? Yeah, it's coming up and I got to be honest, I'm probably not the guy to address that real well just because I don't. I have so much respect for that ocean. Um, I'm actually kind of scared of it. It's why I keep myself inside about five miles. Um, I did make a few runs to Catalina last year, but 
Oh, just for me, it was nerve wracking the whole way there. It's just a long way over there, about 26 miles, and I don't know. <laughs> maybe so the, the seas are rough for the boat you have. The seas are rough. They can be. Um, I went on really nice days and planned it that way, and it was good. But I don't know. I think the older I get, the bigger chicken I am. So, um, but the albacore stuff, you know, that when it, when we get into our you know spring and summer months, those fish start to show up. And I always see and hear the numbers from the sport fishing boats. Um, got friends that do that and always kind of keeping me in the know. But to be honest with you, man, I, I would rather eat um, them yellowtail or them sand bass over the tuna just for whatever reason. I just that's so that's I always target the one I'm going to I want to put in a taco. How do you prepare your yellowtail? You know what? I, I do it a couple of different ways. Uh, my wife likes it if I just grill it, uh, or I guess more sear it. I just use a, an enameled pan, and I use just a, a you know, ha- little stick of butter and olive oil, and I season it up with anything green, um, parsley, basil, oregano, and then salt and pepper. And then we just sear it till it's, you know, white throughout, and we eat it with vegetables or, or, or whatever. Um, for the kids, I take that same fish, I bread it and fry it. I don't think it's the best fried fish, but kids are kids, right? It's fried. And <laughs> They'll eat anything. Yeah, more ketchup. <laughs> they're all in. So, <laughs> that's how I do that. And then I can a bunch of it. Um, my absolute favorite way to eat it, I can it. And then my mom has made this thing. Actually, I put up a video on it because I just I think it's so great. She uh, she calls it tuna dip. I use yellowtail or smoked yellowtail. And it's just like you take a can of tuna, you take a cube of cream cheese, three scoops of La Victoria salsa, and three scoops of what's called homemade chili sauce. It's kind of a round ball jar. And then we just literally just kind of blend it all together, and then we eat it on wheat thins. And um, there's a very rare, very rarely is there a fishing trip or a hunting trip where, where we're not got some yellowtail dip or tuna dip with us. It's just it's good protein. It's good for you. It's got great flavor, and um, I love it. That sounds awesome. Something else I saw in one of your videos is you were cooking on the back of the tailgate. Uh, you were cooking uh, grilled chicken sandwiches oh, yeah. that looked – it just made me hungry looking at it. <laughs> we spend uh, – I think that's part of it, too. The older I get, the more focus I have on the meals. Right, it's so funny. Uh, <laughs> you that. and I get along really good. I I like to eat. <laughs> oh, man. I make excuses to stop and eat for sure. <laughs> what that place I hunt in Wyoming? There, <clears throat> I lease a small ranch there, and um, so we're about forty miles out of town. And I just think it makes for the whole hunt experience that much better. So we'll always have something prepared, and we'll do a morning hunt. Sun will get high. You know, things will start to slow down. And then we always wind up either on the tailgate or the front of the four-wheeler. Um, and we're always doing, you know, brats or, you know, barbecue chicken grilled sandwiches. And, heck, we had one where we did a bunch of fresh vegetables. And it's just it's just crazy. Um, I do enjoy cooking. I'm not the greatest cook, but I, uh, I love to cook. So it's fun. And you know how it is. Everything in the outdoors tastes way better than it does inside. Absolutely. Um, for sure. So... What do you have on your slate coming up here, uh, moving into the spring and, and into the early summer? What, are, what, what seasons, whether hunting or fishing, are you looking forward to the most? Man, I've got a year stacked. Every single year for the past five years, it's been busier and busier. And <clears throat> I'm actually wondering when they're going to get rid of me and my, what I call my real job. But um, I'm actually going to Africa in July for 18 days to film a hunt. Um, a gentleman invited me to go down there and film for him, which would be the longest stint I've actually had away from home. So I'm pretty excited about that. And, um, we have done a five day fishing trip at Lake Mead since 1962, my entire boy's side of the family. So grandpa, uncles, cousins, brothers, nephews, everybody, we fly them all in from everywhere. We load up the boats. And we just go shore camp on Lake Mead and fish and just kind of operate as a family. And uh, it's one of the most enjoyable trips of the year. That what month do you do that at? That's in June. 
<coughs> excuse me, used to be in May, and we moved it to June just because the winds blew so bad in May. And then we'll walk, uh, you know, then we'll jump right into uh, the dove hunt in September. We hunt in Yuma. We've been going to Yuma for 30 years, hunting doves down there. And then, you know, you know, from there, I've got two deer here in California. And that lease in Wyoming, I've got six antelope. I've got two mule deer, two whitetail, and an elk. I'm going to go to um, Montrose and hunt a mule deer down there. And then, you know, with all the pig hunts and stuff happening out here, I'm really looking forward. I believe if I draw, I'm coming to Arizona to chase one of your coos deer for the first time in history. I'm super excited about that. Don't do it. That'll just be another addiction. Oh, I'm ready. My wife has a big sign on the door that says, we interrupt this marriage to bring you the hunting season. And (laughs) (laughs) and it's uh, it's becoming a year-round thing, man. It's awesome. That is awesome. Uh, I know you also went to New Zealand. Um, tell me a little bit about your trip to the South Island of New Zealand. My wife and I actually spent our honeymoon for two weeks on the South Island of New Zealand, and we loved it. We were fishing the whole time, but tell me about your experience in New Zealand. Oh, it was it was so great. Um, if if you're looking at some of my film, a uh, pretty good chance you'll uh, run into you heard me say Bud in there. He's would be my dad's best friend, kind of been a hunting and fishing mentor to me my whole life. Um, cancer survivor, great guy, and he has always wanted to hunt a red stag. And two years ago at the show, the Utah, the expo, he said, hey, um, I just really like this guy I met at the show, and I want to do this hunt. Do you want to go? And, you know, it's kind of like asking the cookie monster if he wants a cookie, right? I, I was all in. So he had set up the entire trip. Um, we went with a, uh, with a company called Peel Four Safaris. They were just great guys. And we flew into Christchurch. Their facility was like an hour and a half away. And we hunted tar, chamois, arapawa, red stag, um, fallow. We shot wallabies and possums. And I mean, it was just the greatest trip. Um, I was incredibly impressed with the people, how cordial they were. I was blown away by how beautiful the country was, not just the mountainsides, but the towns. You know, it's illegal to have a messy yard, right? You get in trouble for that. You can't have like a like a bummed up car in the front yard in that country. It's just not legal. You go to jail. Um, that's, that's one of the things my wife and I always tell people is like driving, just driving around and throughout the country, everything, every yard is up, you know, kept up. It's all mowed. There's no like junk. There's no just like, you know, jacked up cars. And, you know, when you drive across rural America, sometimes you get a, you're like, whoa. Oh yeah. Yeah. It gets really, <laughs> it gets really dicey in some of those places. Um, yeah, and I was kind of blown away and asked about it directly. They actually said it's against the law to not have it kept up. Um, I was also really impressed with how how fit the country was. I never, it, not that it would ever be a problem, but I, I never met anybody that was overweight. I never met anybody that um, was in bad shape. Everybody, I, it just was, it was amazing to me. Um, and I don't know if it's just that healthy lifestyle or or what it is, but... I really, really, really enjoyed it. It was like going back in time, kind of was like being a young kid again. We were just, I mean, it seemed like we were just shooting everything. And I was like, is that okay? Is this okay? And they're like, we have no predators. We have no, we have no rules. You're not doing anything wrong. You're just literally doing a service. And that was hard for me to get my head around. So we actually, um, and I know this is a sensitive subject for a lot of people, but we did a heli hunt for the chamois and I was like, man, I don't know if I feel right about this. And we took a helicopter up, located chamois. They dropped us off. We went in and harvested the chamois and then we flew back and did it. And, uh, I think it's one of those when in Rome type things, right? That's how they do it. That's the most effective. It was physically impossible to walk to where we would have gone and I kind of look at it like it's no different from us running down the road in a vehicle, glassing up an antelope and be like, that's a good one. 
moving in position and getting him taken. It's just, you know, that, that helicopter down there is kind of their taxi. And it took me a minute to kind of get my head around what was going on. And I wouldn't change it. You know, I wouldn't change it. It was, it was just a really, really incredible experience. That film is actually on YouTube. Um, it's the longest film I've ever had. And I'm surprised how well received it is and how long people are actually watching the film. Like I'm getting like some 90% retention on a 32 minute vi uh, video. So that part's encouraging for me. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, that's great stuff. Um, New Zealand for sure is a place that is, uh, I'd like to go back, um, from a fishing standpoint, the, the, uh, brown trout fishing was, I mean, was unbelievable. The size of fish were, you know, un unreal. And, um, the, the dry fly fishing was fantastic. We actually fished three different, we kind of bounced around to three different places and, um, stayed in bed and breakfasts and, uh, really had a good time, caught some really big fish and um, got to see how they do it. And, you know, they have low fish numbers, but uh, they have, you know, big, big fish. And yeah. it's kind of like, you know, sight fishing. You're you're walking the banks uh, and you may walk for a half a mile before you find a fish. Um, so it's definitely different than fishing here in the western U.S., but uh, certainly something that I can't wait to go back and, and do uh, for sure. So... Well, it sounds like your plate is um, pretty full with Africa and with your trip to Lake Mead and the dove hunt and all the different things you got going. Um, it's been awesome having you on. You know, you said something earlier in the podcast about, uh, you know, you, you don't necessarily like to hunt it if you can't eat it. Um, talk to me a little bit about uh, the logic with that and kind of your thought process. That's a, that's a great one. Uh, we were actually standing at the show the other day and I had a guy say that to me and then I kind of contradicted what I said, but I, you know, there's, there are certain things that I will hunt and not eat for the betterment of all animals. For instance, um, coyotes, um, ground squirrels, things of that nature. But, uh, I really do like to consume what we eat. You know, I was I was born on, you know, not born on, but I was born around eating beef and we had some deer at home and I never really loved the flavor. <clears throat> I was never a huge fan of, you know, the deer meat that dad would bring home or the antelope that dad would bring home. But uh, cooking it myself over the last, you know, 20 some years, I've really grown to enjoy it. And I think as you get older, it kind of brings you back to that for lack of better terms, that whole circle life, right? Like, you, you know, it's, I love to be able to have somebody come over and serve them wild game or a big fish dinner, something we harvested. It just feels right. Um, I've never been one of those guys that's consumed with, oh, it's got hormones in it, this and that. I don't know. My brain has never thought in that capacity where that bothers me, but I do love to, um, I do love to eat what we harvest and with the waterfowl thing, I've shot a handful of ducks, a handful of geese, and I cannot get it to where I like it, so I just don't hunt them at the end of the day. That's all there is to it. Um, but I will What is your favorite uh, wild game? Oh, I think the bigger, you know, I've, I've used the reference forever. I think the bigger the critter, the better the taste. So I think a moose is better than an elk, and an elk is better than a deer, and so on and so forth. Um, but really, living in Wyoming, you know, the antelope was always taboo. Everybody said antelope was terrible. I got to be honest with you. I think if it's done correctly, if you're not saw cutting bone and you're shooting these antelope and, you you know, where they're not knowing you're there, you tip them over. I don't think you'll find a better piece of red meat than an antelope. Really. Interesting. Yeah. And I brine everything. That's what I tell everybody. I literally every big hog. Every deer, every antelope, the first thing I do, we get them gutted and skinned, I'll quarter them, and then I soak them in a salty ice water brine for two or three days before I ever cut any of that meat. I do it with every piece of anything. And I think it takes any of that, for lack of better terms, gamey flavor, gamey taste, and it just leaches it out. It's gone. And it's tender and it's delicious. I do. I literally do it with everything. Have you guys heard about PhoneScope? 
PhoneScope is a privately held company that makes custom-molded, precisely engineered smartphone digiscoping adapters. Photographing wildlife has never been easier. Take digiscoping photos and videos from your smartphone and share them with your friends. PhoneScope stands behind their product with a 100% money-back guarantee. PhoneScope is the future of digiscoping. Get yours now. Use the JSCOT16 promo code and receive 10% discount on all purchases. Check them out at PhoneScope, that's P-H-O-N-E-S-K-O-P-E dot com, or on Instagram, at PhoneScope. Wilderness Athlete is committed to improving the health and quality of life for the outdoor athlete by providing field-tested, scientifically validated nutrition and sports performance products. Check them out at WildernessAthlete.com and use the J. Scott promo code to receive 10% off any order. Awesome. That's uh, those. That's great stuff for our listeners. Um, for those of you out there, um, I get email questions quite a bit on cooking wild game, and that, I think that's a great tip right there. Tell me exactly how you do it. So you, let's say you shoot a hog. Um, Hogs are probably tell me exactly best. how you do it. Yeah, pig's probably the best example. So if we shoot a pig, um, if you shoot a wild boar over 200 pounds, typically you can walk up to that boar and you've got a pretty skunky smelling animal. And I believe that they're at that age um, and everything where that testosterone is in that meat. They're pretty rank. And if you took that meat and just cooked it directly, your house would smell like you're boiling the inside of the urinal, right? It's pretty bad. So what I do is I'll gut that animal and skin him. Typically, I do it right there on the ground where we are so we can pack it out. And I'll fill up a great big cooler and I'll take a full can, whatever size that is, I don't know if it's a pound or whatever, of Morton's just regular old table salt, 20 pounds of ice and the rest water. And I make a big old slurry brine. It should be to where you can't put your hand in it for three or four seconds without pulling it out. Because chemically, things are changing, right? Instead of it just being ice water, now it's salty ice water. It's however many degrees colder. And I just put that meat right in there. I completely submerse it. Um, and in a day, In the cooler. In the cooler, yep. <clears throat> and I'll close the lid. And it's doing a couple things. It drops the temp on that meat instantly, right? You're taking all the heat out of that meat. And it literally... You've seen it. Is this still on the bone, Ryan, or is this totally deboned meat? No, I'll leave it, you know, I'll leave four quarters on the bone, but I'll put the straps and loins and necros and everything right in there with it. Um, okay. So I really got both. And then I'll leave it in there two, three days, whenever I can really get to it. I don't actually know the time frame that they're not always the same, you know. Um, I think you could be completely brined in about 24 hours, but I'll leave it 48 or 36. It, it doesn't really matter to me. I don't really know the difference. And that water will be bloody. You know, it'll just look red. It'll look red. It'll have leached all that out. <clears throat> Your meat will look somewhat blonde, if you will. The Hawaiians do this with everything. Um, it'll look blonde. And when you cut it, you'll still have that red meat interior. But it leached a lot of that, you know, that blood out of the meat and all that stuff. And I think a lot of that flavor that people don't care for uh, is in there. If you love gamey meat, don't ever do this, right? If you're one of those people that just can't get enough of <clears throat> a big old sagey meal deer, this will wreck it for you. So, um, yeah, I just I just take it out. I get it good and dry, and then I start my cuts from there. I'll cut it or grind it or can it or whatever I do with it after I've brined it in every case. Nice. I got to try that. I've never tried that. That that sounds uh, awesome. Yeah, and I tell people if they've never done it and they're hesitant, take one quarter. You know, a lot of pe- everybody can spare a front shoulder. Try the front shoulder, put it in there. There's not a ton of meat on there. And then I would take do one shoulder, do the other, take a small piece of meat on it, cook it any way you want it, and I think you'll call me and thank me in person with that one that you brined. It's it's that good. What about doing uh, turkey legs? I um, I don't know that I've ever done a turkey because they're so mild. Um, I shot a turkey in Wyoming this year, and um, I was actually thrilled to pieces. A landowner said, hey, you can take one. 
you know, Wyoming, it's the one of the few places where you can actually shoot hunt turkeys with a high powered rifle. So we were down there deer hunting and the guy's like, why don't you take a turkey? So we ran into town, got a tag and, um, you know, talking to a turkey hunter, that's probably insulting that I shot one with a high powered rifle. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's <laughs> but, okay. I forgive you. But we drove from there. My in-laws have a big place in Colorado. So we drove up there and it was right during Thanksgiving and I was so impressed. They didn't buy a bird. They said, hey, we'll just eat your bird. And I, you know, kind of didn't want to let on that the wild turkey is not kind of the same as the butterball. But um, I put it, <clears throat> I I breasted the bird and then thighs and wings and put it all down on a big pot, stock pot, a big maripaw, right? So onions, carrots, celery, seasoning. And then we stuck it in the um, in the oven, 250 for 10 hours. And man, it's good as any turkey you'll ever eat. It was just awesome. I saw on your video low. What would you say? Slow, slow and, and low, <laughs> low and slow. <laughs> yep. yep, that's my rule. Yep. So how did the in-laws like it? They loved it. They loved it. It's kind of like any bad piece of meat or anything. If you uh, if you're not sure, more gravy. And I'm pretty sure they started heavy on gravy, and by the time it was done, they were just eating bird. So they they enjoyed it. They were really good about it. Uh, they don't hunt, but they're super supportive of it. They understand it and. Uh, the kids loved it. You know, my wife loved it. It was, it was good. I, I just, for whatever reason, it just makes me feel good inside to know that we're eating that bird. I just kind of a special deal on a big day, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Well, buddy, it's been awesome having you on. I got to have you on again. You've been a great guest and, um, I encourage, uh, everyone to check out, uh, Ryan's, um, YouTube channel. Why don't you give the listeners where they can find you on your different uh, outlets? Okay. Um, I'm really new to the social media. So uh, I'm just started an Instagram account, uh, Whitebone Creations at Instagram or however you say that. Um, but just Whitebone Creations, you'll find me. Uh, on YouTube, Whitebone Creation Hunting is the hunting stuff. Whitebone Creations Fishing is the fishing stuff. That's pretty new. Um, I will be on Facebook here soon. Uh, the kids have talked me into that. It'll be Whitebone Creations, the account set up. And then I do own whitebonecreations.com. My brother is actually helping me get that rolling, and we'll have skull stuff up there, tips and tricks, and then I think we'll run the videos back through there. Um, I also did forget to tell you, well, I'm trying to get a film into the Kuyu Film Festival, Nothing like waiting till last minute. So Friday morning, my son and I are going to go up to the ranch and do a pig hunt, try to put a storyline together and turn it in one day before it's due. But um, hopefully. Real fast about that, I know, know uh, noticed in your videos that you um, wear Kuyu like I do. Um, talk to me a little bit about uh, why you use Kuyu. I am diehard Kuyu. Um I, uh, you know, my build, <clears throat> I did not think I would ever be able to fit into it, right? I'm, um, how do I say it? I'm, I'm I, you know, it's built for that athletic build. I'm more of that lumberjack build. So I was a little hesitant with it, but I bought a few pieces um, and just absolutely fell in love. My absolute favorite piece is the guide pant. It's the one that fits me. I literally own everything that they make, every single piece. I own every piece. Um the Kenai is my second favorite. I'm a Vias guy. I don't have anything in the Verde. Um, and there's certain places I actually was going to do a review on it with my build type. Um, so the people that are looking at it from, <clears throat> say, the, you know, the particular mannequin look, um, if they're not that look, will this gear fit them? There's certain things that do work for me, certain things that don't. But I, I mean, I just love the product. I think it's made me a better hunter. Um, confidence in cold or warm weather, the lightweight, you know, for me, it's really the elasticity, you know, the fact that that four-way stretch on those pants will give and move the way they do. Um, and then in Wyoming, sitting on a four-wheeler, uh, you know, at 10 degrees, nine degrees or whatever, as soon as that wind's blowing, you're in trouble, you know, a little super down, you're good to go. You know, you're good to go. That product is just fantastic. Um, yeah. Dar and I have been wearing them for years and are a big supporter of Kuyu. And um, uh, Jason Harrison is always uh, gracious with his time. Actually, I've uh, got a podcast episode of his that's going to be airing here very shortly. And um, he's been on before. And 
Nice. Um, re- really believe in what they're doing and and the innovation and the you know the dedication to detail uh, is you know in my opinion second to none in this industry. Um, buddy, it's been awesome having you on. Uh, look forward to seeing more pictures of yours on Instagram and uh, have fun with that uh, calico bass bite. And um, I'll be in touch with you. Uh, so until I see or hear from you, God bless you. And, um, just, uh, thanks for coming on and sharing with us. Oh man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, any other time you want, let me know. I got an opinion on everything. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. Sounds great, buddy. Take care. Thanks, Jay. 